One time, my cousin the Thunderous Wizard got a cell phone stuck in his ass. True story. Had to go to the hospital and everything. He bought it from the local mall, so the whole fiasco wound up on the news. It was embarrassing for my relatives and all. Next week, he did it again. Different phone, same results, including another trip to the emergency room. So I run into him a week later in the mall, and he's buying another phone. And I said to him, Jesus, wizard, what are you doing? You know you're just going to get that phone stuck in your ass, too. Why don't you knock it off? And he says to me, Cash, how the hell else am I supposed to get that podcast out of there? My cousin was a weird guy. Welcome to the Mall Rats Pod. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops, your pod for critical and box office bombs presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. Today is our third episode in our 90s month series, Mallrats. I, Captain Cash, will be your host on this glorious guide to the world of 90s shopping. Along with me is the Mad Bat Chick Killer, the Thunderous Wizard. That's all right, he's Silent Bob in this one, we're good. Coming to you live from your mother's basement, Chumpzilla. I love the smell of commerce in the morning. And in a cameo of Stanley worthy proportions, welcome back to the pod, Zoot. Excelsior! <laughs> well, what the fuck is the internet? Well, I'll tell you, it's a place where you can find the pod. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Box Office Flops. Leave us a comment on what movie you'd like us to do next. The Thunderous Wizard, where can people go to find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WriterTLK and check out. The latest episode of the Double Turn Podcast where I talked about SummerSlam and how awful Raw Underground is. And Chumzilla, where on the series of tubes can the listener find you? You can find me hanging out at the Dirt Mall on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Very nice. Zoot, where should the folks look for you to tickle their eye holes with your photography? Uh, either at moviepoopshoot.com or at Instagram.com, uh, Jeff Zoot Visuals. J-E-F-F-Z-O-E-T visuals. Excellent. And as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. The beer for tonight's pod, if you'd like to drink along at home with us, is the Founder Brewing Co.'s All Day IPA. This is a great summer beer to enjoy on your Labor Day weekend, which is when this pod is dropping. Uh, this IPA is a lazy day with zero shopping agenda at 4.7 ABV. I generally like my beers a little higher gravity than that, but let's give this a shot. Cheers. Cheers. And let's all pour one out for uh, Chadwick Boseman. Black Panther gone too soon. Wakanda forever. Oh, uh, I should note that if you look very closely at the label, you may be able to see a sailboat. (laughs) You mean a schooner. A schooner is a sailboat. You dumb bastard at the canoe. Man of the boat overboard. I I am I am not good with boats. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, rating this beer once again. Our rating system out of three terrible movies. How many movies would you be willing to watch in a row, provided you were plied with this beer? Let me kick it over to Zoot. How many movies is this beer for you? Oh, three. I could do these all day. It's right there in the name. Hey, how about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I. 
I think for me, this is probably one and a half, two. Like, it's a good beer. I just, it's not really my style. That's all uh, I would say. Anybody else, anything to add? I'd fall somewhere in the middle there. I think it goes down easy enough. You could stretch it past the one into the two. Uh, but it's not my favorite beer, but yeah. Yeah, all right. I gave yep. it a bonus for a three because uh, it's got a little hometown uh, advantage because uh, uh, I grew up about half an hour from Founders. So. There you go. And I'll agree with Zoot on it being a three-movie beer because it is a session IPA, effectively. I'm not the biggest fan, like you said, Captain Cash, but you know what? If you give me free beer and it's a decent beer like this, I'll sit through three movies. <laughs> I'm an easy lay for that. Fair oh. enough. All right, so in total, it's probably like we call it collectively a two to two and a half beer movie. Not bad. Or two to two and a half movie beer. There, there we go. go. Yeah, we're going to. We're going to not mess this up this time. Uh, welcome to the pod where we drink uh, and try to talk. Anyway, excuse me. Ah, so let's let's get right into this movie. Um, I will say up front, I enjoy the shit out of this movie. I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about it. This movie, Mall Rats, written and directed by Kevin Smith, the second of his then Jersey trilogy, now better known as The View Eskewniverse. Uh, this thing was released in 1995, and it is the follow-up to Smith's breakout clerks from the previous year. This movie remains the only movie he himself did not edit. Uh, basically, as far as I can tell from what I have read slash heard, the producer of the film, Jim Jacks, saw clerks and went, hey, Kevin Smith, do that again, but here's $6 million to do it with. Go make us money. That did not work out for them, unfortunately. This uh, movie was subject to extensive rewrites, and studio mandates, and originally opened with 20 minutes, which involved a whole backstory on why the father of the girl hates the slacker boyfriend, a Civil War reenactment, come in the hair, an assassination attempt of an elected official. And I've seen the the extended edition. Have you guys watched that? For the first time yesterday. Oh, I am sorry. I didn't mean for you to do that. Oh, I have the 10th anniversary DVD. and I was We like, should have warned you. Yeah, I was like, I've never seen the extended version. I should go check it out. And oh boy. Like, yeah. Honest, the extended version of this movie proves to me that not all studio meddling is bad. Like, That's correct. It yeah. There's a full 30 minutes before they get to the mall at all. Well, now <laughs> I kind of want to rewatch the theatrical because they reference that event over and over and over again so they had to change up that line and reshoot it over and over again oh it's wild like so the first couple times i watched the theatrical cut i, n I never noticed the scenes even a little bit like you because a lot of the lines for that get said are said by jay who randomly says a bunch of random weird shit anyway or or references things that aren't immediately apparent but given the the nature of the view of universe you're kind of like eh, you know whatever that's another thing these mm -hmm. people have lives right yeah there's one scene that always stuck out to me as odd and i'd never understood it until i learned of the original opening and that's the scene when quentin brody are returning to the mall and they're walking in from the parking lot yeah and the dude runs up behind him and says hey are you guy that broke up with brandy he turns around and clubs him i'm like what what was that about? Well, apparently he's got a different line. Yeah. Was... Uh, in the extended version. Extended um, version, and... he says, weren't you on CNN? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then four, four said assassination attempt, which is all a big misunderstanding. Right, right it was an accident. Yeah, and then because he's got a musket and it goes off. Uh, anyway, so and then the other line that stuck out to me, but not as memorable, but just as alluding to backstory, was when the TV producers are giving Mr. Svenning a hard time. Said, "Hey, we better not have another incident like the governor's ball." Yes, Which, that works. It still works in the movie because you just assume, yeah. like, oh, he he obviously had a, some sort of black eye in his career previously, and he's trying yeah. to make. And up we don't for know it. what don't need to know what it is. No, nope. exactly, it's, it's perfectly fine. Nice. That's fine. And he's clearly yeah. an asshole, so you don't really <laughs> need to like delve too deeply into his backstory. Yeah. You, yeah, you can tell he's got a lot invested in this, and that just gave you a little more hint. Oh yeah, he oh he really needs this to work out because he screwed up before. Okay, exactly. But anyway, much like Zoot, I also bought like I think it's a twentieth twentieth anniversary uh, Blu-ray, and uh, I had never seen that you know original cut before, so I was kind of excited like oh this might be good. No, no, hundred <laughs> percent no. Just. Like, totally understand why they they cut that after the test audiences because i would have been like yeah what's this beginning part get rid of that yep. yeah saved that was saved in the edit uh yeah. yeah in all honesty the relationships aren't what work about the movie anyways it's it's, it's ts and it's yeah and brody yeah. and their interplay and basically uh i you know brody owns the movie so it's it's just his show. You're like, oh, Jason Lee, who the hell is this guy? Because this is like his third thing. That Which he is did. amazing. This is Jason Lee's first acting role. This is his first job. He has yep. no right to be this good at something he's <laughs> never done before. Yeah, and he, he's awesome. Like, I, I, I sort of, as I was watching it, I was like, man, this is sort of just like Pivot and PCU, where one guy is carrying this movie, and it's awesome because of it. Which it's funny, too, because very clearly, especially with the way it's edited, T.S. is meant to be the protagonist, the main hero, right? right? right. Like, it starts with him, the the big arc all involves his girlfriend and saving, you know, and fighting the father. Yep. And it ends with, you know, we'll get into the details and things, but... He's just not very good. <laughs> no, I have a small issue with that because the movie actually opens with a monologue from Jason Lee's character. That's fair. Brody. And ultimately at the final scene, yes, Quint, you know, ends up reuniting with his love interest, but it's a much bigger victory for Brody. That's so fair. even and even though they end up, you know, he ends up marrying her or whatever. And when John yeah. pops out of the water it actually turns into like a much bigger career pivot point for Brody's character. So the movie opens with his, his dialogue and he gets the bigger crescendo at the end. It's kind of weird because you're right. He's not the face, but he's definitely the guy carrying the movie. Oh yeah. And you know, Jeremy London also is awful in this. Oh yes. <laughs> oh my like, God. So I can't believe they London. didn't dub more of his dialogue because there's some stuff in this movie you can't even hear what he's saying because he's mumbling it. Yep. He he just and can't I don't think that was up. intentional. It is bad. Yeah. No. He, he no, can't he keep, up, keep up, up with Jason Lee. With Jason Lee. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. So to be clear, Jeremy London is the one playing arguably the lead protagonist of T.S. Quint. So those are your two leads. You get Jason Lee as Brody, T.S. Quint is Jeremy London, and I just and hold up. Who who's who's got the most prominent position on the movie poster oh no yeah it's it, they, they give it to jason Lee was that after the fact obviously yeah. yeah after the scenes were shot they're like oh son of a bitch we stumbled on this one <laughs> yeah. yeah well and it's it just it's funny because yep. 
Lee gets all the best dialogue, so I don't know how much you know well, he has and, to work with. And funny enough, who's the top billed actor or actress? The top billed movie? actor is the B the B story love interest Renee in Shannon Doherty, who is huge for right. 90210. Who is huge for Beverly Hills 90210. So Brody's the most prominently featured on the poster, and his girlfriend is the top billed actor in the film. Well, <laughs> she just... she was the most probably bankable name. Oh yeah, hands down, uh, hands down. I mean, I'd say Sven Ol Thorson, but I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm He's a, got the most. I'm an Arnold Marks, career so. at this point. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Sven Ol Thorson is one of the what what would you call them well definitely one of the antagonists but one that doesn't talk and isn't he's a henchman basically yeah he's, he's called he's, he's Paul the Blart's evil manager. <laughs> yes um so who else is in this film uh you got Claire Frulani as uh Brandy Svenning the A plots love interest you get Ben Affleck as arguably the the B plot <laughs> Uh, antagonist as the buttman and proprietor of fashionable mail. Oh, the manager. The manager of oh, fashionable mail. The manager of fashionable mail. And we're talking extremely young Ben Affleck. This oh, is yeah. one of his first big roles. It's a wee baby Ben. It's the reason he's ben. been oh, he's been doing uh shoots for Kevin Smith ever since. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and we get Michael Rooker as arguably the main antagonist, Brandy's dad, Mr. Spenning, which Rooker kills it. Like, he does a great job. <laughs> like, I, I, he gets a little weird at a couple of points, but for the most part, he's pretty entertaining. Well, you get yeah. full on Rooker ass. So, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat with the gong. In the first five minutes, Rooker butt. You get, so you got that to look forward to. Uh, I was. I was glad to see the extended scene of how that pl- came to play out in the uh, in the longer cut. <laughs> Which, again, like, why? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. News people uh, shoot cameras through the window of his house. Because, you know, Kevin Smith was just thinking, like, hey, can I get this guy to show me his ass? He'll do it? Okay, put it in the movie. Nice. Nice. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, also, we get fun turns from Joey Lauren Adams as Gwen, who long-term doesn't really add a lot to the plot but she's there to talk to all the characters she's there to be topless for like two seconds yeah which is weird because we get yeah. a much longer topless scene later she uh later dated kevin smith oh yeah very much yeah. so chasing amy is based on their relationship so <laughs> yike uh ethan supley is here as willem or william which i think is awesome because if you could like ethan supley now is like a fat slob in this movie. Yeah. But like Ethan Supley now is huge and jacked as shit. It's yes. wild. Frankie Stacchino has uh, definitely gotten himself in shape. Also, on the low key, this is the birth of my name is Earl. <laughs> That's true. Yes. That upset. Um, and of course, this being a USQ universe, you get Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith as Jay and Silent Bob. And you get a, a handful of the universe regulars. You got Brian O'Halloran, Walt Flanagan, Scott Mosier. Though I think what we haven't talked about and what you can find on the social is this is the greatest Stan Lee cameo of all time. I fucking it love is. the cameo by him. It is. I vote that one, yes. Always that one. Yeah. Man, it's yeah. good. It's a real role. He plays himself. He actually has like dialogue. He's like a part of the movie and sort of an intricate one. And it is kind of cool uh, that yeah. he just sort of pops up and talks to this guy who's a super comic book nerd. Yep. So you get the main cameo 
with him and Jason Lee exchanging dialogue. And then you get a couple of bonus stingers later. You get him talking with, uh, with London. And then you also get him talking with, uh, uh, Ethan Suppley as well. Yeah. And I like, I think it's funny because originally it was written for a Stan Lee alike. Like they, they didn't think they'd get Stan Lee, but apparently they put some calls out and Sam's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And like the thing that kills me and we'll definitely talk about this later. This was 1995, man. Like there wasn't a Spider-Man movie. There wasn't an X-Men movie. The biggest movie out that was superheroes at this time was the second Batman movie. I actually, third but like return what was it forever was out forever so the third batman movie yeah but stan lee was definitely in hollywood and they were trying to get marvel studios off the ground at this point you had james cameron spider-man things like that that had been going around the background in the mid 90s and of course roger corman's oh that's true yeah oh boy go back and listen to that pod that was a fun time so imdb's one sentence description for this film is both dumped by their girlfriends, two best friends seek refuge in the local mall. I say this movie is a movie made by comic book nerds for comic book nerds about what comic book nerds we all wished we were. What do you guys think? Let's uh, let's give it to Zoot. One sentence description. What is this movie? <laughs> yeah, um, this is my youth right here. It, so it, it fits perfectly. Um, sweet nostalgia blanket. Yeah, it is, man. That's all it is. It's just good old nostalgia. In these troubled times, a sweet nostalgia blanket. All right, well, over to the Thunderous Wizard. Give it to us one sentence. What is this movie? Okay, so in what may be the most relatable movie I've ever watched, two guys shit around a mall, talk about nerdy stuff, and complain about their significant others. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right, and over to Chumpzilla. One sentence. Mallrats is Kevin Smith's big budget follow-up to Clerks. He'd hoped for it to be Die Hard in a Mall, and it just turned out to be one of the most 90s movies I've ever seen. Fair. There's a lot of weird 90s shit that we will talk about as we jump into the plot points. But I want to say, like every comedy we do, the main reason you're watching this is for the dialogue, which is pure Kevin Smith, like, verbose banter about just the most banal things with a handful of running gags and callbacks and just oodles of nerd references. It is endlessly quotable and worth your watch. Uh, but just to cover the main things, movie starts out when T.S. Quint pulls up to his girlfriend Brandy's house, excited to take her on a trip to Universal Studios when we learn that a mutual friend of theirs has died when an embolism burst in her head. Um, Fans of Kevin Smith will know this is a reference to Clerks. Yeah, quick aside, this movie effectively takes place one day before Clerks. A prequel. This is is the day before Clerks. Yeah. And that is your first hint right there, because they talk about the girl dying in the pool, and that's the wake the guys go to in Clerks. Exactly right. And that's the, the start for this film, because that girl, Julie, was supposed to be on Brandy's father's show, Truth or Date. Because she's gone now, Brandy has agreed to play that part for Julie, take Julie's place on the show, instead of being able to go to Universal Studios, which obviously upsets T.S. They have a fight, and ultimately they wind up breaking up right then and there. Yeah, so this is also the scene we get Michael Rooker's ass. Yeah, that is true. Um, While he kung fu fights 
well, looking at his reflection in the TV. He's shadow boxing. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Okay. But this scene is incredibly weak. You get a lot of exposition, but Jeremy London is terrible in this scene. And there's like zero chemistry there. Like this movie starts off really weak. And I'm like, wow, that's not strong. And the funny thing is, it's still better than the stuff they cut. So I guess that was as good as it got. Yeah, I mean, like, Claire, and even Claire Forlani in this, who is, I believe, she's British, and is clearly doing a, a Jersey accent. You kind of, like, you hear it, and you're like, oh, that's putting that's on not an a, accent. That's not a Jersey accent. She's just doing a Midwestern American accent. Ooh, There's no the Jersey. accent's slipping. It's not uh, even close to a New Jersey accent. <laughs> Although, to be fair, nobody in the entire film really... Uh, has a New Jersey accent. Let, let me correct. Okay, let me let me temper that a little. I hear hints of New Jersey accent in it. It's not a full-on Jersey thing. Yeah, Chumsil is 100% right on that opening. You get the total dearth of chemistry between the two people who are supposed to be the leads, and you honestly just don't care about them because Jeremy London is so irrational and such a jerkwad. It's like I'm off on that guy from from the jump. He sucks. He, he's wrong. Yeah, he's not terribly nice to begin with. They fight. Brandy breaks up with him, and then next door, you've got the comic book nerd Brody and his girlfriend Renee, who are having a fight, and basically they break up over the fact that Brody is completely shiftless. Uh, brief aside about breakfast schmeckfest. Breakfast. Breakfast comes and goes, but Hartford DeWale. They only, they beat, only beat Vancouver once or twice a decade. <laughs> a lifetime. Once or twice in a lifetime. So how many posters from Brody's room did you own in the 90s? Because I guarantee you I got like three of those. I saw yeah. the Magley poster. There was the Magneto's back poster. I got to see it again, man. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look uh, closer. Like, it's every poster ever from the 90s. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's all... Whole... There's a Legend poster? Is that for the movie Legend? Yes, yeah. it is. So, it's okay. Legend, yep. I mean, that's probably his best poster. But yep. We gotta go back and do Legend at some point. Oh, I'm, and we gotta watch the director's cut. Yes. We should do a fantasy month, but uh, anyway. anyway. Yeah. So anyway. Focus, focus. Focus. At that point... T.S. rolls up, tells Brody what's happened. Um, they both kind of, you know, mo piss and moan and jokes are told. And they decide, hey, you know what? We're going to go to the, the, the mall, lick our wounds, call it a day. But here's what's really messed up. So when Quint rolls up to Brandy's house, she's wearing a crop top t-shirt and jeans. Yes. He's wearing like three shirts and a flannel on top of I don't, that. I don't want to talk about the jacket situation. It really fucking annoys me how many layers yeah. that guy wears the entire movie. It's, it's so yes. 90s, right? Okay. So we see that scene. So it's unclear to me how warm or cold it is because he seems to be dressed for a blustery fall day and she's in short sleeves with a semi-bare midriff. I'm like, she seems to be doing fine. And she weighs approximately 95 pounds soaking wet. Right. Okay, so then you cut to the scene where you've got Brody and um, Renee, Renee um, and uh, Brenda. And anyway, so <clears throat> you cut to them. She goes to crawl out the window, 
and you can see her breath as she is at the threshold of the window. So it's obviously cold enough that her breath can be seen, yet they're allegedly next door to each other. And she puts a jacket on to leave. So it's like, what is going on here? Consistency in a Kevin Smith movie that had its guts chopped out. I mean, I get it. I get it, but tough. Um, and and, and it's event. Easter time, so I guess it's spring. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you dress in layers. You want to. You never know what I the weather's going to be. It's early what that, spring. That, what's, what, that makes it April? I, I don't know. Yes. Let's say yes. Easter, Easter makes it's it April, Easter. right? It's Easter. No, that depends. It could be March. This is sort yeah. of a useless point. It's New Jersey. It could be very cold still. Well, yeah, but so why is so why is Brandy spinning just rocking a crop top T-shirt hanging because, out on be, the front porch? Contractually obligated. Her dad is fucking Michael Rooker, who does shadow boxing nude in his bedroom. She's tough as hell. He's a bad motherfucker, and he has a stupid okay. game show. That's the whole. I will concede that that is the only explanation that I will accept for this. Moving on. Before we turn this into the extended cut of Mall Rats with 20 minutes of pod before we actually get to the fucking mall, we should probably mention that T.S. says that he had meant to propose to Brandy when Jaws pops out of the water. They decide, fuck it, they're going to the mall and they're going to deal with it later. Um, Brody gets to the mall, immediately bumps into Shannon Hamilton, the antagonistic manager of the men's clothing store in the mall. Words are exchanged, but Hamilton's got to get to work, so that's it. The duo also runs into Willem. This is Ethan Supley, uh, the slob who is bound and determined to see the picture of the sailboat in the Magic Eye kiosk. Holy shit, is that the most 90 sentence I have ever said? Uh, true story, I could never see a Magic Eye, so I've always empathized with that guy because I cannot see them. I cannot either. So we've got two Williams on the pod. Obviously, I'm Brody. I guess that makes you Shannon Hamilton, Chumpsilla? Absolutely. He does enjoy having sex with women in a very uncomfortable place. Like the back of a Volkswagen. Like the back of a Volkswagen. Oh, man. Uh, they also learned that Mr. Spenning's show is actually taping at the mall. So Truth or Date is going to be there. So they enlist the help of the local miscreants, Jay and Silent Bob, to destroy the stage, stop the show from happening. Um, Jay says, hey, we were going to do that anyway, but here's the problem. They've got the ultimate mall security guard LaFour's here he's gonna make it difficult also in this scene where they meet Jay and Silent Bob Bob is smoking inside the mall which yes he is like it's funny to see that like I didn't think of anything at the time but now looking back you're like that shit doesn't happen anymore wow that's a thing you could do once the 90s time. were a lawless ass time and Jay and Silent oh. Bob were less than six feet apart which is strange to me right now so no one was and wearing nobody's masks. wearing a mask. Yeah. <laughs> oh, How's the mall even open right now? I, I mean, let's be honest. Is are there malls still open anyway? Ever <laughs> in this this year of our our anti lord twenty twenty? That, oh, that's boy. probably the most nineties thing about this movie is that the mall is a central social uh, and commercial hub. Yes, this is true. Uh, we learned that Renee is at the mall. And we also get Wiley Coyote-style hijinks with Jay and Silent Bob as they try to outwit the security guard. Like, literally, they have the blueprint. And their their plan is, like, a step above the most basic plan we've determined, which is grab him. Uh, this plan is hit him with a sock full of quarters, uh, which, just spectacular. Yeah, I, I believe that is actually technically goon him. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 
It's the the second cousin to Gravin. It's Goonin. <laughs> uh, so this fails spectacularly. Bob goes through them all and winds up in the dressing room of Gwen, who will come back later uh, as part of a running gag. And that's Joey Lauren Adams, for the record. Yes, that is correct. And T.S. and Brody then encounter Trisha Jones, a.k.a. Trish the Dish. Nobody calls me that. Nobody calls me that. <laughs> Beat ya, Jinx. That's how quotable this film is. Also, <laughs> with us, drink every time we quote this movie. You'll be drunk before you get to the end of it. Uh, but Trish introduces what is easily the most uncomfortable aspect of this film, especially as time has gone on. Oh my, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, which is I don't even think it's close. It's yeah. like, oh, oh no. Oh, think you could get away with back then, I guess. Because like. All right, so the deal is she's a 15-year-old girl who is writing a book called Borgasm, a study of the 90s male sex drive, ages 14 to 30. Uh, like, And it, I think it's helped somewhat by the fact that the actress who plays this role, uh, I think her name is Renee Humphrey, is like 20 at the time, and she's very obviously not 15, so it's not as uncomfortable as it could be. But at the same time, we're definitely dealing with a woman who videotapes all of her sexual encounters uh, for this book and is sleeping with at least, you know, 16 dudes. Yeah. So uh, I think it's really strange that they decided to go with the statutory rape angle in this movie because there's really no defense for it. And the only thing you can really say is like, well, this is the guy that gave you clerks. So there you go. I mean, that's literally it. That's the only like, justification you can pull in here it's like hey kevin smith made clerks it's got to be offensive yeah i mean and the only reason at all for the whole plot point is just so she can have that vhs to throw in at the end yeah like which and it does a good job of tying it back so all the people that they meet in the first you know 20 minutes of this film do play a part it's just this is a very uncomfortable part someone was made to play I, i mean and it's funny but it's rape it's not, it, none of it is very funny. It's like, the whole thing is that men are like willingly uh, engaging in this activity. Her parents know about it. Yeah. It's, the whole, it's just so off-putting. It, yeah. It but doesn't It work. does give us Call Me Donnie. It does, <laughs> I mean, it does give us that. And, and we will I, get... I wish I could laugh at that in different contexts, but it's still funny. I can't help but Call Me Donnie. Call Me Joey. Who's your favorite new kid? <laughs> okay, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Yes. That's uh, the climax but, of the movie. Yes, but to the but to Chumpzilla's point, the whole thing that this sets up is that Trisha has slept with Shannon Hamilton, the owner of Fashionable Mail. Manager. Uh, no, the manager, excuse me. The manager of Fashionable Mail just Thank last you, night. And has videotaped it, obviously. Uh, they then head to the comic book store where they find a line out the door with and I quote, our weight, uh, which they learn is because Stanley is there signing comics. And I don't find anything funnier than the fact that there is only an hour wait to meet Stan Lee and have him sign your comic books ostensibly for free. Especially when half the time he's just wandering around the mall talking to people. Listen, he needs a break, too. I mean, at this point, he would have been, what, but, in his 60s? But nobody's flocking to him as he walks <laughs> through the mall. He's How completely anonymous. It's fun. I mean, technically, he has a beard in this film, so he's under some, like, he's slightly incognito. Hold up, Zoot. Hold up, Zoot. Is it not clear that he's perhaps been paid by 
Quint? Well, yes, but still, you can't pay so, all the fanboys to not follow Stan Lee around the mall. Well, I'm just saying that's how you got him out of. That's how you you know, bribed him out of his gig. Right. You slipped him some money. Listen, twenty dollars is twenty dollars. I do have to say the most unbelievable part of this movie is how Brody doesn't recognize Stan Lee for like the first two lines. Okay, in their that, that might be the weakest part of Jason Lee's performance in this film because yeah. he doesn't know what to do while he pretends not to know who he is. He just kind of right. has to stare at the floor and listen to this guy and like, don't make eye contact. Yeah. Don't wait make for eye your contact. cue. And then I'm going to do the aha and turn. Wait <laughs> even Jason minute. Lee was like, if, if Jason Lee had been an actor with a couple of movies in him, he would have been like, hey, guys, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. But it's his first job, so he's like, I'm just going to stare at the floor until my cue and go, because they're like, paying me for this. Wait, I know this voice. It's Stan Lee. Yeah. But it, Which, again, like, honestly, Stan Lee is, it's like he's so himself. You can't not recognize him. Yeah. Like, Stan Lee is as much playing a character as everyone else in this film, except that's his whole life. So... Yeah. And we'll get to that. That's still way in the future. Oh, yeah. Before that, Moving we, on. Get, we get a Looney Tune scene with Jay and Silent Bob again, this time with Jay putting on a Batman helmet and doing like a Batman 2 parody, which fails again and only serves to launch him into the dressing room where Gwen is getting changed, where we get the gratuitous 90s boob shot for like half a second. Thank a second, you, maybe. It's It's really weird and kind of pointless other than no, to be like no it's not Oops. no it's not joey lauren adams was one of my biggest 90s crushes that was not pointless that was very formative to me no she doesn't have the voice oh that's what it is. oh the voice got a weird thing for girls who say a boot anyway um <laughs> that's but that's kind of it from gwen she's in a handful of other scenes and that's sort of it uh we go back to T.S. and Brody, and they find Renee shopping with Shannon Hamilton. Uh, with T.S. running interference, Brody confronts Renee alone in the elevator, and he learns that she's started dating Shannon, I guess, in the two hours she's been at the mall. <laughs> yeah, pretty and it, much. Yeah, and it turns into this thing where they're shouting, and then they're kissing, and then immediately sex. And how we didn't get a ska cover of Love in an Elevator, I'll never know. Now, wait a minute. She says she's already met Shannon's mother, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I've, I've always assumed she was cheating on him. Mm. But I could be wrong. That's possible. It's never they made were, clear. They were clear on that. Uh, could be. Well, we he did to- ask her if he did all this in the span of a day, I believe. I think he confronted her about that in the elevator. He's already introduced me to his mother. Uh, maybe his mom dropped him off at the mall. You don't know. That would definitely be a big win, wouldn't it? Yeesh. Well, He's 25. They have a Volkswagen. <laughs> Back of a Volkswagen. In any event, uh, what that and, and in a Volkswagen, the boot is in the front. Well, that gets messy. The front butt? I don't. I don't even know. No, know. no, because, you know, a Volkswagen Beetle, the engine's in the back. Yeah, no, I, so I understand. the trunk's in the front. Thanks, Ted Bundy. Is there anything else you want to tell us about Volkswagen trunk space? <laughs> it, can, it can fit one hole um, or two chopped up. Wait, what? No. At one point, then, Shannon pulls Brody in the back part of the mall where he basically works him over 
and says that he is going to, as we have said multiple times on the pod so far, have sex with Renee in a very uncomfortable place. Uh, Brody escapes and tells Jay and Silent Bob it was the Easter Bunny that did it to him, and Jay and Silent Bob beat the shit out of the Easter Bunny because that's kind of funny. Uh, Brody stink palms Mr. Svenning in an attempt to get revenge for T.S. Uh, who wants to explain the, t- the stink palm? I'm going uh, let, to, let's do uh, Zoot. Zoot, what's the stink palm? Well, you take your hand, you shove it down your ass, and you rub it for a while, you pull it out, give somebody a handshake, and they're stuck with that smell. They got to explain it because that's not going away for at least another day or two. Yes, your hand is less smelling, but... It is a small price to pay to smite one's enemies. Exactly. <laughs> Drink. Uh, but Brody manages to do this not just with a handshake, but with chocolate pretzels to really just sell that whole thing. And Michael Rooker is like licking his fingers the whole time. It is. And again, that's a great scene, except for the weird pantomiming of the handshake cuts. The dialogue is fine. But it's the weird smeary handshakes. That's kind of like that does. That's not normal. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a little over the top. And here's my question because I haven't seen the director's cut. Is there like some sort of exposition about Michael Rooker's obsession with chocolate and pretzels? No. You don't need to have an no. obsession with chocolate pretzels. They that's are all, delicious. Yes, but he that's does this get. like face where he's like, ooh. How did you know? That's my only issue with Rooker's performance is he does that weird little like flourish, like, oh, pretzels. It's like, wait, where'd that come from? You've been Tommy Tough Pants this whole time, and now all of a sudden pretzels have you giddy like a schoolgirl. Yeah, he like (laughs) totally, his mannerisms change entirely. (laughs) He gets like super excited. Listen, if your mannerisms don't change for some dark chocolate pretzels, I don't know what to tell you. Now, I gotta say, like, when. We were asking what beer to drink during this episode. I said to Cash, I'm like, we need to track down a chocolate-covered pretzel beer, because that's just... That would that be would very be appropriate. When I but, looked and I... Yeah, try to find one that's nationally distributed. Oh, that's a little tough. Or, or a Jaws beer. I would have settled for a Jaws beer. What's the beer Quint drinks? And crushes in his hand? That would have worked. Yeah, anyway. Um, oh, they, they, I think they sell that now, and I tried some of it. It's terrible. I bet I bet it is not good. <laughs> no. The end tastes, of that it tastes like skunky yingling. The end of that scene, though, is uh, Lafors is going to arrest T.S. and Brody by planting a bag of pot on them. Uh, but they are saved last minute by Jay and Silent Bob, and T.S. and Brody head to the Dirt Mall, which is a local flea market to lay. Son out. of Jor-El, kneel before Zod. Yes, yeah, skip over that line. It's so like there's so many great lines, and like there's a chase scene with Jay and Silent Bob where he uses the Batman gun. It's a lot of fucking fun, but just to hear me to describe it, I don't want to. I don't want to bore you guys, but it's really good. You got to watch it. Um, it, it. But anyway, it borders parody. on parody. You get some parody stuff, and it's pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. And we go to uh, we're at the Dirt Mall with TS and and Brody. And they're going to get their fortune told by a topless fortune teller, Miss Ivana, uh, who played by uh, Priscilla Barnes. Barnes, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, from uh, Three's Company. Three's Company fame. Yeah, and uh, she has a third nipple, and that's what what does it. That allows her to see into the future, which is again really fucking funny. Uh, but ultimately, what she does is give them both re- both relationship advice and inspires. T.S. to head back to the mall and fight for Brandy. Uh, so they get back. Before the dating show starts, though, Brody meets up with Stan the Man Lee, 
and it is it is one of the greatest scenes because Stan does such like he does as good a job as acting as fucking TS does. He Yeah. He's better than He's TS. better. He's probably one of the best actors in this movie. Yeah. Well, I don't want to take anything away from Jason Lee or even Joey Lauren Adams. I, th- I feel like and, and Ethan Shannon Doherty's great in this too. Don't shortchange her. They didn't give her much to do, but Shannon Doherty was great. That's she's fair. she's good. Uh, Sven Holt Thorson, very solid, very solid. <laughs> yeah, a, a classic silent movie performance from him. He's very yeah. expressive. He emotes with his eyes. He does some physical comedy. He sold the bat shot from Jason Mewes very well because. You could give Jason Mewes a gun, and he's not taking out Sven Holthorson. Those are just the facts. You could give Jay and Silent Bob both guns, and they're not taking him out. Uh, so I guess monster. what we're trying to say is Stan Lee does better than one of the leads, but everybody else also acquits yeah. himself well. Just the and, one. And, and quick aside here. According to Kevin Smith, <clears throat> Jeremy London was so stoned during filming he couldn't remember his lines, it's which might have affected his performance. Not good. So Brody has a ton of sex questions about uh, superhero sex organs. Let's see. He, let's see. He asks about Mr. Fantastic. The uh, thing. He listen asks about the thing. The thing's dork is absolutely made of orange rock, and it is a hundred percent circumcised. Ben Grimm is Jewish. Yep. Shoma Shabbos. Exactly correct. Uh, <laughs> but it it is spectacular. Uh, but Stan winds up giving Brody relationship advice that he winds up actually listening to, and now he's inspired to win back Renee. Uh, Brody has Trish grab the video from last night's research from last night's research sex, and that's hard to say real quick. Uh, with Shannon Hamilton and has Bob rig up the the tape to play on stage. And some of the best high tech scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, what do you take a be, pair of pliers and just poke yeah, like, at things? They kind of bangs it on the side of stuff, and there's just yes, a, there's literally just a <clears throat> VCR with duct tape wrapped around yeah. it and one coaxial cable in the back. Yeah. That is the complexity of. They it. had no idea what they wanted him to do I, in those scenes. I can't. No, I, I have to ask the question here. I want to take a, a poll of the pod. Do you guys think that was intentionally meant to be stupid, or they just said, <clears throat> or they literally just said? Fuck it. That's what we're going to do. Listen, he turned his mom's vibrator into a fucking VCR. He can do what he wants. He's a CD motherfucking player. genius. Oh, it's CD MacGyver. Player. CD player. He's better than MacGyver. Everything in this movie is intentionally stupid. So, yes, that is intentional. <laughs> but see, it's funny when he pulls the blow-up doll and the vibrating finger out of his coat in the earlier scenes where he parodies the Batman utility belt. That's funny. That... To me, just seems super stupid and like insulting. Yeah, like why are you giving this to me? There was no joke here. Well, just to show it, that this is a six something. million dollar movie, and this is not funny. It ends up being Shame the payoff the for the Jedi mind trick stuff or the Force. You know, Fair. I think they call it the Jedi mind trick throughout the whole film, but it's yeah. really Force push. You, yeah. you know what? Okay, hold on. Let me sell myself on this. The only explanation I'll accept for this plot inconvenience is that that would probably be all it takes to convince Jay that you're an expert at electronics. Yeah, that's fair. Jay would probably see that and be like, yeah, sure shit, man. He knows what he's doing. That's also true. It's He's got pliers. It's more, than, pliers. An, it's more than implied in every movie featuring these two that they're total 
incompetent morons who stumble their way through things and that happen to work out in their favor inexplicably. Yep. I mean, that's I'm, pretty much their gag, right? Yeah. Even, even if you factor in Clerks the Animated Series, those characters are never more cartoon characters than in this movie. Nothing kills the Grimace. That's all you have to understand. <laughs> but watch, watch Clerks the Animated Series. It's pretty fucking funny. Uh, but T.S. gets Jay to smoke up at least two of the game show contestants, allowing T.S. and Brody to take their place. So they get on to the taping of Truth or Date, where Brody basically spends the entire time just being a giant dick and being hilarious. Um, and after some back and forth banter, Brandy immediately realize, or not immediately, Brandy realizes this is T.S. and Brody. Uh, it and, takes her way too long to realize that. Yeah, I feel like after the first question she asks, there should yeah. be like alarm bells ringing a little bit. I, yes. I, I can tell you for certain, if either of you two were behind the curtain talking to me, I would know immediately. And it's like, it's so absurd. She's like, you sound familiar. It's like, no shit. I bet oh, you he's really? also wearing a ridiculous flannel overcoat. You know damn well it was who this is. in the '90s. That was probably crazy. two of them. Yeah. And Brody's <laughs> just as distinct. So Brody's got a what corduroy jacket on? That's uh, a corduroy jacket and two t-shirts. Yeah, two right. t-shirts. Yes. yes. Uh, so Brody, through talking to both of them, gets them to admit them being Brandy and TS that they have feelings for each other. TS proposes. Brandy accepts. Oh yay! It's so happy. Uh, but then the police arrive to arrest T.S. and Brody after the show is over, which is the crucial moment because Bob has got the VCR tape. He's ready to play the tape of Shannon Hamblin, but he drops it, and it's just out of reach. And things look lost. The boys are about to be arrested, and then Willem comes back, or William comes back, so distraught he could not see the sailboat after multiple times of of having people say, I can see the sailboat, and he just hits the stage, and the VCR tape flies into Bob's outstretched hand as he's trying to do the Jedi mind trick. This is where you should point out that Stanley is not only the second best actor in the movie, but he's also the hero of the movie because it is his seeing of the sailboat that spurs William into such an aggrieved aggression that he headbutts the stage, <laughs> flipping the VHS tape into Silent Bob's hands, and exposing Shannon Hamilton for the petter ass that he is. Which is wild because the cops just, like Brody points it and goes, she's 15. And the cops like, well, we got to let these guys go and definitely arrest that guy. Yeah. That's the first uh, connection of Disney with Star Wars, right? You had, uh, or with Marvel with Star Wars. Yeah, you got, right. Uh, you got Stan Lee to well, help somebody use the force. Marvel produced the comics though. True. So, I mean, there, there would have been friendship there at, at a bare minimum. Well, we had, uh, we had Star Wars, you know, DC and Marvel on this movie somehow. It's great. It, it is true. Like, look, the 90s were great because not everything was corporatized as far as nerd ephemera goes. So, man, it was good. Yep. Uh, but then we get the happy endings montage. Brandy and TS get married at Universal Studios as Jaws pops out of the water. Uh, Brody, who impressed the network execs uh, with his performance on Truth or Date, gets bumped to The Tonight Show which he now hosts with Renee as his band leader. Trisha's book is a bestseller. William does eventually get to see that sailboat. Uh, and Shannon Hamilton is imprisoned and raped. 
that was a sellout. They should have never let him see the sailboat. Because <laughs> now, now people like me who still have never seen it, we got nothing to be associated with him now. I agree. <laughs> and just for the record, it, it is Willem. Willem Black is the character. Ah, he, Willem. Willem Black. They should have cut right, to him, and he should have just been staring at the same thing. Yes. I feel like that's bleak. I want to believe he eventually sees well, us. Eventually he became a white fact. supremacist and hung out with Edward Norton, so that's worse. So, again, Marvel, so he's basically friends with the Incredible Hulk, which is also the comic character they used to represent him in the opening credits. when they Incredible do the, the Bulk. Comic. Incredible Bulk. So, uh, fun fact, do you guys know what was actually on that magic eye? Oh, I well, do. That's going to come up later. Hold on to it. Oh well, well, hold on, because obviously the Thunderous Wizard... And the zoo, they they'll never you know. know. You've never had some, know. We can say we don't tell them. You've had some <laughs> low I'm moments out. on I'm this pod, man. But are you are you guys trying to say that you could actually see the picture by watching the in the movie? You actually could like see it. Let's say yes, just because it'll frustrate you. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah, I'm very frustrated. I'm also frustrated no, that Chumzilla poking I'm fun at my inability to see magic eyes. By the way, those books were fucking stupid. So, Well, no, and honestly, the funniest thing about this movie is that I have the Blu-ray, and it doesn't look to be, like, HD. Like, the whatever film they use for this, it does not seem to be great quality, because I've got some older movies that look good in, on Blu-ray. This one does not. <laughs> so no, there's no way I was making out that magic eye. It's okay. too blurry. E- even on a uh, 4K, you know, HD big screen uh, with Blu-ray, uh-uh. there's not yeah, enough, that. not enough fidelity there to pull that through. So no. I was just gonna say I've never seen this movie in HD, and apparently it doesn't matter. No one has. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually, uh, yeah, no, don't. Well, it looks better in VHS. I rented it in HD last night for two ninety nine. And it looked it looked good. I mean, it looked a lot better than the the trailer I watched because I was like, "Hey, uh, I was talking to my wife. I was like, what would you prefer to watch, this or Bill and Ted's Face the Music?'" So I showed both trailers. She said, "Well, one looks like it's about nothing, so let's watch the other one." It's like <laughs> pretty good assessment. And I mean, the trailer was it plot here, but the, tra- the trailer was like 80p, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of pixels. Lots of pixels. Uh, the movie closes out with Silent Bob and Jay holding hands with an orangutan as they walk down the road. The orangutan's name is Suzanne. Off for further adventures. And that's it. That's the film. Uh, how many beers does it take you to enjoy this movie, Thunderous Wizard? Uh, I would say none, really, because I I actually think this movie held up very well, aside from a few things that uh, just aren't uh, great and very 90s. But otherwise, the dialogue is very snappy. Jason Lee owns the movie. It's a star-making turn. He's incredible in it. Uh, So I would say none, but go ahead and drink casually and have a couple beers. But I was... I, I was pretty uh, impressed with how well it did uh, hold up because I've revisited some other Kevin Smith stuff that I don't think holds up as well. So That's fair. Uh, Zoot, what do you think? How many beers do you need for this? Yeah, I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with I need zero beers because when I watched this over and over and over and over again, I, I was not drinking beers. So it was not part of that mentality. But But now that I'm older, going back and watching this, Oh yeah, uh, 
I'll drink two, three beers. Just enjoy both the movie and the beers. Just enjoy the hell of that. Hell yeah. Nice. All right. And Chumzilla to you. Well, yeah, I can say that <clears throat> I used to watch this movie on VHS incessantly <laughs> when I was in college. So this would have been like 99, 2000. I used to watch this movie constantly because uh, it was just, you know, it was so funny back then. It was so 90s. Just, again, to me, it was like definitively 90s. So if you talk about essential 90s movies, Hackers, not one of them. Mallrats, definitely one of them. But in terms of beers, I would give this a three beer rating uh, because it's not great. Really? And yeah, it's not it's not a great movie. It's a great 90s movie, <laughs> but I wouldn't call it a great film. Um, and it's only about 94 minutes long, I want to say. Yeah. It's punchy. Uh, it's quick. I, I yeah. missed that quick version. Yeah, watch, <laughs> watch the quick version. Do not watch the extended cut. The extended so, version is helping nobody. Yeah, so 94 minutes, a beer every 30 minutes or so. Yeah, three beers. So I, I, I actually need to side with Zoot and the Thunderous Wizard on this one. This is a one-beer movie for me, at best. I mean, like, I'll be lucky if I finish that one beer because I'm going to spend the entire time quoting this fucking thing <laughs> as I watch it. I love this movie, and I understand it's nostalgia-colored glasses, but, like, this is one of my favorite. This is one of those movies that I have watched again and again and again. And, like, Thunderous Wizard, uh, well, and, like, Chumzilla, we watched this movie every Saturday night as our... Hey, let's pregame. Let's watch Mallrats and and play the drinking game. That's what we did in college. Yeah, no, it's it's an it, especially if you grew up and you're a kid of the '90s. This movie has a lot, a lot of value to it. It's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but it is very funny, especially if you're a nerd too. So, I've got two points to make here. And I'll address what you just said there, Thunderous Wizard, first. And yes, this is the super bad of the 90s. That's fair. This is how, this is how we wanted to talk. This is how we wanted to act. Um, there's something to be said, too, because we're all dudes here. There's something to be said about the, the way the male protagonists here are trying to, you know, get girls and maintain relationships and all that kind of stuff. It's definitely through a male perspective. So it's, it was very easy for us to relate to the characters in it. Fair. Yeah, and there's a lot about friendship here. Let's you, you can drop some of the the uh, relationship stuff. There's there's the bond between uh, Brody and Quint too. Um, True. So anyway, that being said, because they're different dudes, you know, they're definitely not the same guys. There's a bit of an odd couple vibe there. But the other thing is, like you just said, Captain Cash, we used to drink our faces off while watching this movie. Yeah, it takes beers to see this movie. We drink many a beers watching this movie. I mean, I accept that I drank a lot while watching this movie, but I wasn't drinking to get through the movie. I was drinking as as a supplement to the film. Yeah, this was something like in the mid-90s I'd watch all the time, like Happy Gilmore, and I wasn't like 10 and like getting plowed. So, <laughs> All right, so the real question, though, did this deserve to flop? Because unequivocally... This movie cost $6 million. It made $2 million back. This flopped. I would say no. But then again, it, was this movie really destined to be a hit? I don't think so. There's no really big name stars in it. I hope this isn't stepping on your quiz, but I saw like Adam Sandler was considered to be Brody. 
And if you put Adam Sandler in this movie, it's probably a big hit because this is after Billy Madison. Uh, but then but again, I, but like, I think it would be a lesser movie if it had him in it. Yeah, um, this is not yeah. this is not uh, Adam Sandler material though. He doesn't do this blue kind of stuff. Piven. It could have been Piven. Could have been Piven. Uh, but what I really think is like this movie got exactly what it deserved. It's a cult hit. Uh, Kevin Smith fans are rabid about Kevin Smith movies, and it holds a pretty high ranking in the pantheon of those movies. I think so. Yeah, sure, it didn't make a lot of money, but is it just as good as Clerks 2, which made a lot of money? I would say yes, so... Eh, tough call. All right, Zoot, what do you think? Did it deserve the flop? I mean, I would hope they could have made back $6 million on this thing, so that's that's still shocking that they couldn't even recoup that, but... $19.95, though, so it's... Yeah, I mean, I was busy watching Speed at that point, so that's where my theater money went. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this is the kind of movie that it's not going to get that, get that traction in the theater. It's just one of those that you stumble upon in your buddy's movie collection at home and you become obsessed with it at that point and watch it over and over and over again. So, yeah, I think it doesn't surprise me at all that it flopped at the box office, but it's one of those movies that everybody just, that I talk to that have seen it loves it. Yeah, that's fair. All right. And, and, uh, Tim Zilla? Well, I guess the comparison I would draw is that the follow-up <clears throat> to Mallrats was Chasing Amy. And I think Kevin Smith made that for like $300,000. Yeah, it was Tillywinks. Yeah, and it went on to make $12 million. So I think Mallrats should have been like a $10 million movie. I'm not saying it should have like made 40-something like the, the Clerks 2 and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and all that crap because those made much more money. But Mallrats should have made its money back. About $10 million to me sounds right. So what I'm saying is no, I don't think it deserved to flop. Uh, I think, yeah, basically the problem is that uh, the best actor of the movie was an unknown and the presumed lead sucked. So if they had gotten somebody else to play Quint, and might have helped market the movie a little bit better. Yeah, I think it could have hit $10 million. It wasn't going to be a huge hit, but it could have made its money back. I love Ben Affleck as the antagonist, but he would have been infinitely better as T.S. Yeah, that's a good point. And I feel what like... El- what else had been done up to this point? Uh, well, he'd been in Dazed and Confused. He's, he's O'Banion. Uh, but wait, was... O'Banion, O'Banion was before this, right? Yes. Jason confused before this. I think right? his, his acting is, I think his acting in Days and Confused is much better than in this one. Well, that's the material they were giving him now. Yeah, he, he hadn't done a whole lot. So that how is funny true, is it that but... that the other London brother plays Joey Lauren Adams' boyfriend in Days and Confused, and then the other brother plays her former lover in this one? Weird connection. Yeah, I. It, this is such a '90s movie, and I think that's that's the key to the answer of, of did it deserve to flop? Because you have to remember, this came out in '95. That's pre almost any Marvel movie ever. I mean, there were a handful of like Spider-Man's and the the Incredible Hulk movie on TV, which went to the series, and the same with the Captain America movie. But that was it. No X-Men, no Rainy Spider-Man, and certainly no MCU. 
I mean, fuck, the Star Wars prequels weren't even a thing at this point. We just had the three, right? So, like, seeing all of this shit referenced on the screen, yeah. all the stuff that I really liked seeing, you know, at the time, I think I was 13 when this came out. So seeing, like, people who were adults talking in what seemed intelligently about these sort of silly fun things that I really enjoyed blew my goddamn mind. <laughs> wait, 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 hold up, hold up. The whole man of steel, woman of tissue paper. Yeah, thing I know. And, it's and the things orange, uh, 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 dork. It, that's intelligent conversations about the superheroes. Well, it's kind actually, of, yeah. about that, cause about that's, the major, that's the, yeah. that's the majority of what we get, but it's actual conversation about, Stuff like that. And the big thing that... uh, The big distinction is... Yes, the MCU is super popular. Yes, comic book movies are super popular. But comic books are still not super popular. And this is a movie for people that actually read comics. And so it's it's still missing that gap. Because it's like... Oh, I like the MCU. You're not going to... You can't start some shit? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's it. I, I feel like this movie should have done better. Way better. No, it didn't deserve the flop. So, 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 but, so, hold on. Thunderous Wizard, Captain Cash. So that's what you're telling me. The whole point that you've got Brody as a comic book collector in this movie, and that being core to his personality and him having his Yoda moment with Stan Lee. You're saying that was reaching out to an audience that just hadn't been tapped yet, and just yeah, movie just didn't find it. That's not what I'm saying. I just, no, I think that audience even today is still marginal. Uh, whereas, yes, the comic book movie audience is huge, but the comic book movie audience is obviously not translated into people buying comic books. So you're still That's looking fair, at but a I mean, At the time, they were one and the same. The people who got the comic book movie thing off the ground were the folks who were like, shit, I want to see a Blade movie or a Spider-Man movie or a, you know, an X-Men movie. I don't know. It's just never correlated to people buying Blade comics. No, that's true. Well, what I will say here is there is something to be said about this movie touching on the comic book subculture because it's obviously a, a key part of the movie in several instances. You've got the character of Brody, you've got Stan Lee's appearances, and you've also got uh, Jay and Silent Bob basically riffing on the first two Batman movies. So there is quite a bit of that in this movies just across the board and it's DNA. There's comic book references at several points, both Marvel and DC. So yeah, I guess, I guess that makes it sort of a niche movie in that regard. Oh, and don't forget the marketing. The movie poster is a cross between a comic book cover and a star Wars movie poster. Yeah. And the the opening credit sequence is a, a montage of comic book covers with the stars, uh, mocked up on it in period, correct comics. Uh, to, to to a certain extent, there's some older stuff too. But like, my favorite is when they put uh, Joey Lauren Adams' character up as Gwen Thirteen, yeah, which is say. a nod to Image Comics' uh, short-lived X-Men Gen ripoff, 13. Gen Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, which very is very clever. That's meant to be Gen X. So, is this movie a '90s movie? Fuck yes, it is. Hardcore. Uh, did, this this is an essential '90s movie. This movie yeah. is an essential '90s movie. Did you guys have a favorite like running gag from the movie? Because there are a bunch in this thing, and I'm not going to list them off. But Zoot, did you have one where you're like, okay, this is it? I think the one that has just stuck with me the longest that I use way too often in life, still to this day, is 
anytime I see a kid messing around on the escalator. <laughs> that kid is back on the escalator. And, and to this day, my wife finds a lot of things I say not funny, but she still laughs her ass off when I do the escalator bits. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, so, Thunderous Wizard, you. So, the escalator bit is probably my favorite, like, gag gag of the movie. But my favorite running thing from the movie is more of a sight gag, and it's Brody carrying around like the Dixie cup, <laughs> the cup. of soda, and he like literally hands it off to people, like hold my soda, yeah. and he carries it for like the first thirty-five minutes they're in the mall, and I, I love it. Hey, hey, Coke, no ice. Built with Coke, no ice. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And it's it, it's a he has it until he gets his ass kicked in the back hallway, right? Yeah, That's uh-huh. exactly right. Waste not, want not. You want to sip the soda? <laughs> Slap the cup out of his hand and it's gone. The rest That's of the movie. it. That's it. Uh, all right. So, Chumzilla, what, what's your running gag? Oh, I was going to go with the escalator bit because I always enjoyed that because it seems so absurd and yet it plays into the movie because all of a sudden you hear over the PA, hey, there's, there's a kid getting mangled on the escalator and all the cops have to run over as, as Brody is starting shit in the comic book uh, convention line. Oh god, I laughed my ass off when that happened. It is it is There's really... no, there is not a year that goes by where some kid <laughs> I, the, the kid is back on the escalator again. My oh, favorite running man. gag for this thing, like there are so many, like like the back of a Volkswagen, but like I love the oh hey, a sailboat. Yeah. <laughs> Just like so Quite as true. Willem is attempting to see the sailboat in the magic eye. There are like four or five times a random passerby will spend 30 seconds, not even two seconds, and go, oh, a sailboat. And just just Ethan Supley's reaction to that every time <laughs> is just so amazing. I, I have such a good time with that. But all right, so here's the thing that I wanted to talk about. Is the thing's dork made out of orange rock or like the, like the rest of his body? What is the best and worst side effect superpower for sexual prowess? I need you to channel your inner Stan Lee and the listener at home. Send us a a tweet. Check us out on Facebook or on Instagram and tell us what superhero has the best side effect power for sex or the worst side effect power for sex. Uh, I'm going to give this one to Chumzilla. Worst Worst person based on power, superhero, for sexual prowess, or villain. So this was an easy one for me. Uh, Worst superpower by far, rogue. Uh, Everybody always says rogue. I don't believe it, but go on. Well, because you're either going to go the full body condom route or it's sure death. (laughs) So that seems like a really bad trade-off. Like, I can do it in a scuba suit or I'll die. Look, I'm just saying... Only one of you has to wear the scuba suit. It doesn't have to be rogue. Could be worse. Yeah, but so you're basically, at that point, you're humping a sex doll. What? No. She's a living human woman who could wear whatever she wanted. Oh, but if I'm wearing it, so I wear a full body condom because we can't touch. Yeah. What fun's that? Now you're the sex doll. Yeah, this uh, for me? this literally sounds like the scene from Naked Gun, where they're both yes. wearing full body condoms. body condoms. Yeah, that's, all right. Like that's not satisfying. Like there's no, okay, there's no well, physical interaction for me. 
We will accept Rogue as an answer. I feel like you don't have to do full body con- like you just need some barrier of some kind. It doesn't need to be water soluble, or it can be water. You could just be clothes. You just need to cover the part of you that's directly in contact. Either way, this is like the right. Mormon special sex sheet thing, man. No, I'm not doing it. I feel like Rogue would work as a Mormon. Zoot, what is your worst, worst superhero for sexual prowess? I'm going with Jean Grey. Son of a bitch, that was mine. Why is that yours? I want to hear it. Well, she's going to read your mind, and that could not go over well. That never goes well. And when she loses control, you might get some sharp scrapnel lodged in the back of your head because she just starts hauling, you know, throwing shit everywhere. What or just disintegrate you like she did Professor X. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, blow you up. Not just blow, like, listen, Wolverine can regrow his dick, but I'm not an X-Man. Nope. I like. Sorry, and I, sorry I, Kat. I've seen pictures. Like, you can imagine, you're, you're like, baseball, baseball, baseball. And she's like, listen, I'm not, I need you to, I need you to think about this. And then I'm, like, done in five seconds. That's no good. Yeah. Uh, I, see, I feel like that's, you guys are taking that completely the wrong way. I feel like that'd be a much more fun experience where she's just like, no, we'll just, just do it in our heads real quick. Boom. Good. Oh, yeah, that was great. Awesome. So, well, that's the other thing. How do I know I've ever done it with her? She what, could just be painting her nails and making me think I'm, that that happened. And yeah. you know what? And it doesn't matter either way. See, so you're thinking about that That's a good thing. Chumzilla's failing to remember Demolition Man, where they put on the sex uh, visors. And he's like, no. And he's like, the chunky monkey, the horizontal mamba. Nothing can replicate the real thing. So at some point, you'll realize that you're in an illusion. Uh, for me, the worst is clearly The Incredible Hulk. And I think there's big screen uh, precedence for this because when Edward Norton in The Incredible Hulk realizes his pulse is rising too fast, he knows that if he gets aroused, he'll turn into the Hulk and literally squash her to death. And boy, would That's... that be a messy scene. <laughs> Honestly, that that scene in The Incredible Hulk somewhat saved that entire movie for me because for the first time, I understood why it would suck to be the Hulk. <laughs> like, what's the worst case scenario? I can't ever be hurt, ever? Okay. Oh, oh, I, I, I can't have sex with Steven Tyler's daughter or I might kill her. Okay, fair enough. Man of steel, woman of tissue paper. There is no <laughs> love in the elevator when you're... <laughs> When you're the it goes up and Hulk. down. Yeah, yeah. With the Hulk, it's only down. It's yeah. only ever down. Oh, I thought awesome. up, way up. <laughs> oh yeah, my uh, my second list on the list of the worst would definitely be Cockknocker, though. I can't imagine that'd be a good time. Oh man. Well, I mean, you know, I feel like there's there's that's a niche fetish that I feel like there's people <laughs> that would pay good money for that. Fisto. Wait. So, does the chick from Teeth count as a supervillain? No. Ugh. Okay, never mind. Oh God. <laughs> uh, let's let's quickly drink some mind bleach. What is the best choice as a sexual side effect of a superpower? Uh, let's go. Not Chumpzilla. Definitely not Chumpzilla first. Not that. We'll we'll go back to Zoot for the best. What's your best one? Uh, that'd be Elastigirl. Elastigirl. Definitely. Stretchy. I like it. Let's hear it more. Why? I mean, there's. Pretty much no limit there. I mean, uh, there's a lot of experimentation to be had. That's Cockknocker approves. <laughs> Cockknocker would definitely pay money to have Elastigirl step on him. I'm just saying. Also, she's got the same dump truck ass that all Pixar moms have. That's a good point. But here's the thing. 
She can control that. Yeah. Is she she, she, made, that dump she, made, she made it that way. She could make it more or make it less if that was her desire. She knows what we like. All right. So, Thunderous Wizard, what is your best sexual side effect superhero? Uh, I think this one's pretty clear. I mean, because we've seen it in comics as well as on screen. It's got to be Dr. Manhattan, right? Because... So many times you're uninterested in sex. You can be doing other things. So, yeah, he's, he's you know, he's like, hey, we could be playing Fortnite. So let me understand the Thunderous Wizard's point here correctly. Dr. Manhattan is the ideal sexual power because you could do something else while you were having sex? Listen, I'm a multitasker. <laughs> I like to read. I like to watch bad movies. I, I don't think you should have led with that this is the obvious choice, though. I, I really like life. We need to cut this for his benefit. Like, we just, <laughs> like, just, get a we just like, have, like, some, like, static come over and, like, well, I'm sorry, we're having communication problems. Oh, she will 0% chance listen to this. Spectacular. <laughs> <So. laughs> All right, Jumpzilla, who is your singular sexually excellent superhero okay so i think i sort of like misunderstood this question fundamentally i was thinking about who would be the best or worst superhero to have sex with ah no that is how he phrased the question originally that's how i that's how i approached it so just to be clear so yeah uh rogue was my worst my best would be mystique because infinite possibilities that will never get old right and she can be Jennifer Lawrence, too. Yay. I prefer the real mystique. The real mystique. Perfection. We didn't, we didn't Mrs. Stamos? We didn't even yeah. interrupt him on that one. He's, he's quoting first class. Uh, of course I'm for, quoting first class. Come on now. That's meme-worthy. Come on. It's memeish. That's basically all I am is a collection of memes. I, so... I understand the mystique thing, but I also understand the drawback to the mystique thing based on what I saw in X2. That's only as much fun as mystique wants you to have fun with it. Pretty soon, it's 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 all great, and it's Jennifer Lawrence, and it's and then it's Brian Cox, and then all of a sudden it's uh, Bill Barr. Yeah, <laughs> that that would be bad. Yeah. Not only would he dissatisfy you, he'd infringe upon your God-given rights under the Constitution. That's where 2020 bottoms out. This podcast is on par with the, the crudeness of Mallrats. That's what I was aiming for, frankly. We're, we're on brand. Good job, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For me, the obvious answer for best sexual superpowers of a super individual is Kitty Pride. It's insta-clothing removal. She wouldn't even have to take off her clothes if she didn't want to. She could just make them intangible. Cleanup is an insta-breeze. She just goes to the bathroom and makes herself intangible. On top of that, no chance of her getting pregnant that way because intangible, it's all gone. No fuss, no muss, it's done. The only downside is her powers destroy electronics, so probably toys are out. Either way, that's my vote. Kitty, Cat, or Kate Pride. All right. So last question I have before we get into the trivia challenge, and it is, what are your top three View Askewniverse films? Uh, those are the films that are loosely interconnected flicks uh, that I argue are the second best version of any version of a cinematic universe we've ever experienced after Marvel. Uh, those movies are in chronological order. Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, 
Clerks 2, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, so, wait a minute here. Are you saying that you don't count like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings no. or any of that stuff? No, I don't. I don't count Harry Potter and Lord no, of the Rings. No, these are because... separate films that are connected with different characters. Lord of the Rings is a series. Harry Potter yeah. is a series. That's not an interconnected universe. And then if you bring in Fantastic Beasts, which started okay and turned into a hellscape and now sucks sucks horribly, uh, it immediately disqualifies it. So Okay, okay. So, but I, I have objections is what I'm saying. I have objections here. But Zoot, Thunderous Wizard, you are willing to put these films on par with the... MCU and wow. the DCEU and Star Wars then? Whoa, whoa, how do we Again, get to this? Star Wars is all interconnected. So exactly. be, be, because Captain Cash said this is the second best cinematic universe wow. uh, after Marvel. Uh, I stand no. by and I'm like uh, I'm like uh, I would give it to DC, but then right. again I mean, they made Suicide Squad, so that's uh, here's the thing. I agree <laughs> with you, Captain I agree with you, Captain Cash. I'll just say this. I agree with you. These movies are connected. A lot of characters share the same names, and there's some continuity between them. But I wouldn't put this on par with any of the big AAA stuff. This is loosely held together BS for the most part. I think Holy he was. Shit. I think he was just wow. kidding, though. So. This is quite. Yeah, this is quite a tangent here. Okay. Go, go back and watch Clerks again, and like it's Clerks Two is not bad. Clerks One is like, yeah, it's okay. If you, you, make, you make that for twenty five grand, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. But anyway, okay. All right, so to your question, moving on, top three, let's rank the movies. Who's up first? Give it to Zoot. Uh, coming off this point of how much you hate Clerks, I'm going to go with Clerks. Oh! I'm going to go with Mallrats and Chasey Amy, the original trilogy. Oh, man, the Jersey trilogy right off the top. I mean, okay. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm an original, original trilogy fan, and I, that goes with this universe as well. And uh, I just, uh, when I watched these movies to begin with, my mind was blown because this is the first time I really remember ha seeing like uh, a shared universe. As strange as it was, it, it was just so crazy to see characters going from one movie to another like that. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of it is also the time when I watch these in my life. But uh, I mean, I'm looking at the other ones right now and now these are still my top three. Fair enough. All right, uh, Thunder's Wizard. Okay, so uh, I the thing is I haven't revisited many of them in a long time, so I'm just kind of going with like how I remember it, and I would say Clerks two, Mallrats, and then Clerks. It's been too like you can't even stream Dogma right now unless you do it just basically illegally. Yeah. Uh, so it's tough. Uh, it, it has been a while, but I like all those movies. And I think, to Zoot's point, like you watch these movies and you and you've kind of felt like, oh, these people talk like I do, or they talk about things I I talk about. They seem like normal people, and they have uh, conversations about inane topics that don't actually fucking matter. And that was really cool, because a lot of times you watch movies you can't relate to people at all. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, for me, it was Clerks 2, Mallrats, Chasing Amy. And I mean, to your point, it's been a while since I've gone back and watched Chasing Amy. I know there's a lot of deeply uncomfortable stuff in <laughs> yes. there yes. that like, I haven't revisited because I'm like, 
I know the principal plot involves a woman, uh, a lesbian woman really just needs the right man. <laughs> Except it, ultimately it doesn't become that, but it's definitely that for the first hour or so. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but Chumpy, give us give us your top three. No, I guess my biggest gripe here is, yeah, some of these movies don't hold up as well as you would like them to. Like, I, I, much like The Zoo, I really enjoyed the original trilogy. I did. And I, I thought Chasing Amy was great at first. But then I, I have watched it back because I own it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's not as good as I remembered it. Mm. It's not terrible. It's very 90s. It's very 90s. Um, but it's like, yeah, it's not not great. But... I will say that, yeah, Dogma is my number one. Really? Nice. Yes. Dogma is a great movie. It is probably the best work Kevin Smith has done in terms of like his social satire and social commentary because mm -hmm. it's so over the top and it's so ridiculous. And yeah. And you got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Come on. And Alanis Morissette is God. Yeah. Is that, is that the Loki and Alanis Morissette? It's got George Carlin. Is that George the movie Carlin? that kind of started the Chris whole Ron Affleck, Matt Damon thing? Uh, no. No. That was Good Will Hunting. That was Good Will Hunting. Was Good Will Hunting before that? Yes. Okay. And they joke about that in the movie. Okay. Um, well, actually. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, the whole How You Like These Apples thing. No, I think yeah, that's, that's in uh, Clerks 2. No, that's Jay and Silent Bob. Strike Back. Yeah. With Will Ferrell. All blown yeah. together now. Hunting too, hunting season. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they so, yeah, asked so, Gus yeah. Van Sant for his Gee, input. He said, "Damn it, Ben! I said I'm busy, and he's just <laughs> counting money." Counting money. Yeah, but Dogma's great. You got Chris Rock, George Carlin. Yeah, Lance Morissette. That that one's that. I think Kevin Smith really hit what he was trying to do with that movie. Um, and then Clerks Two is hilarious. Like that is an actually legitimately funny movie. It really is. Again, it takes a lot of the stuff that Kevin Smith has hinted on in his previous work and like amplifies it, and it works. That movie works. It's not mm -hmm. high art, but it's like, okay, I get what you're doing. You did it. I and then, yeah, number beg to forget uh, would uh, argue with that. Yeah, and then number and what's that? A donkey scene. That that's high art right there. Yes, the, the donkey the scene and the sexy stud. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Mallrats for me is number three, because I really feel like this was a great follow-up to Clerks. Kevin Smith tried to do what he wanted to do with it. It didn't quite hit the mark, but it did not deserve to flop. And it is a quintessential nineties movie. It is, I, I won't say top five, but I'll give it a top 10 nineties movie in my opinion. Fair enough. All right. Well, well, so that is it for the discussion. We're going to switch over to the trivia challenge here shortly. Uh, we're going to take a brief break when we come back. The Mallrats Trivia Challenge. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops. You are listening to our Mallrats pod. Up next is the Mallrats Trivia Challenge. It'll be eight questions, gentlemen, that I need you to respond with a snoochie boochies to chime in. The winner of tonight's trivia will win one pound of delicious dark chocolate-covered pretzels. Are you ready to play Thunder Switzer? I'm ready. I really hope you didn't uh, put the hand you just stuck down your ass on those pretzels, but I guess we'll find no. out. Oh, probably not. I do. Chumzilla, are you ready? Snoochie boochies. And to the zoo. 
You keep asking about I'll keep answering them, true believer. All right, here we go. Number one, Kevin Smith is known for using the same actors again and again. Which of the cast, excepting Jason Mewes, has Smith most frequently collaborated with? Is it A, Jason Lee? Is it B, Brian O'Halloran? Is it C, Ben Affleck? Or is it D, Walt Flanagan? Snoochie Boochies. Ooh, I'm going to give that to Chumzilla. Brian O'Halloran. That is incorrect. Snoochie Boochies. Over to the Thunderous Wizard. Jason Lee. That is correct. Bonus question. Can you name, uh, do you know how many films that is? Oh, uh, geez. Don't Google it. No, I'm trying to count on my hand as I list them off of my okay. head. See, I know it's not Jason Mewes because he cut him off for a few years for the heroin use. Oh, no. So actually, Jason Mewes is the one he's most collaborated with yeah. that's in this film. Yeah. But I'd say, I'd say five. That is incorrect. Any chance to steal? Uh, uh, Snoochie Boochies? To the zoo. I say six. That is incorrect as well. Chumzilla, do you want to try to steal? Seven. That is also incorrect. The correct answer was eight. Yeah, so, so it's... eight being Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jersey Girl. Ah! Yeah, that's what Clerks too, and Jay and Silent Bob the Reboot. That was the thing. I was having trouble counting them in my head. Like, I felt pressure. I mean, uh, I was staring at him, but that didn't really help me, I guess. So. <laughs> he for, for the listeners at home, the Zoot literally has all of the Skew Universe laid out the DVDs. Including the one I didn't count. Jersey Girl. Fact, I've never seen Jersey Girl. Uh, and Kevin Smith would tell you not to. Do you have Cop Out? That's not part of the okay. SKU universe. And that I do not have, uh, what's the one with his daughter? The y- Yoga Hosers? Yoga Hosers. What about I Tusk? Don't, Tusk. I, don't have, I don't have Tusk. <laughs> I saw and that in the independent theater. Okay. <laughs> All right, number two. The actor who plays LaFors has been on the pod three other times. Which of these films has actor Sven Ol Thorson not been in. Is it A, Jingle All the Way? Is it B, Lethal Weapon 4? Is it C, Last Action Hero? Or is it D, The 13th Warrior? Suchi Boochies, Lethal Weapon 4. There it is. That is correct. He was <laughs> right. He was not in Lethal Weapon 4. He was, however, in Lethal Weapon 1. Yes. Oh, yes. You're, you're trying to get us. No, th- we discussed this previously. This has come up in the past. Wait, like, <laughs> qu- question. What was he in uh, Last Action Hero? Uh, in Last Action Hero, uh, he was he, one an of An enormous the... Swedish dude. He works, yeah. for, he works for Bennett. No, uh, uh, is he? No, yeah, he, he works he's for henchman, uh, Benedict. Yeah. Huh. My bad. Just, bad. Yeah, one of the bad guys, yeah. I gotta Better watch that again yeah. it, Like, in 13th Warrior, I think he's billed as, like, would-be king. He's the guy that's immediately murdered in the first ten minutes of the film. Yeah. He's wearing that yeah. hat in all of them, though, right? <laughs> he's not, but that'll come up in a moment. Yeah, the barbershop quartet hat is not in every appearance of Stenel Thorson, except Gladiator. He's wearing it there. Technically, that is <laughs> That's true. Uh, but we'll get there. Number three. Much to the chagrin of William, the magic eye featured in the film is not a picture of a sailboat. 
What is the actual picture in the magic eye? Is it A, a crucifix? Is it B, a sports car? Is it C, random shapes? Or is it D, an angel? Snoochie boochies. Chuchamsilla. It's the random shapes. It's random shapes. It's it's. It's like three or four geometric shapes. Exactly. It's like triangle, circle, square, just over a three grid pattern. It's terrible. Okay. Not that you nerds would ever know. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it could be anything. If you guys can't see it, you're just gonna have to trust me. I think you made that shit up. It was a dipshit with a nine-toed woman. (laughs) All right. So number four, Uh, as of right now, Chumpzilla is leading with two. Thunderous Wizard has one. Zoot, you are trailing with zero. Still a chance to catch up. Claire Forlani, the actress who played Brandy Svenning, went on to be a spokesperson for what liquor? Was it A, Johnny Walker, B, JB, was it C, Shivas Regal, or was it D, Doers? Snoochie Boochies. To the Thunderous Wizard. Oh, I should have busted. I was going to say Johnny Walker. <laughs> Incorrect. Over, uh, over to the Zoot. Doers. Doers, that is correct. That was my second guess. <laughs> I just remember it because she, she, though she is British, she affects a Scottish accent for the thing. And all I remember is, go back to bed, Angus, darling. All hail the drinking man. Number one. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. Is a reference to another Jim Jakes produced film. Which is it? Snoochie Boochies, Tombstone. I was going to... Please wait till they're all red, but Chumpsill is correct. It is, in fact, Tombstone. I'm not losing to the Thunderous Wizard because he knew that, too. I'm so upset because I feel like I thought that was going to be a trick question. Because, obviously, it's Tombstone. You know, the fun part, though, is that movie also featured Michael Rooker. Exactly. McMasters. It all comes together. Now... Swinging back to westerns, though, for number six. The character of LaFors, a non-speaking, straw-boater-hat-wearing, ultimate lawman bounty hunter, originated which, with which classic cowboy flick? Was it A, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Was it B, True Grit? Was it C, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Or was it D, 310 to Yuma, not the remake? Snoochie Boochies. Chumzilla. What was C? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Yep. That is correct. Yeah. It was, in fact, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The big difference is LaFors is only identified ever by his straw hat. You never see his face. Yep. Uh, true Grit is Le Beef. Le Beef. That is correct. Le Boof. Le Boof. Watch out for the Le Boof. Played by Matt Damon. In the remake. Matt, well, in, in the remake <laughs> yeah. of True Grit, yes. I was thinking John Wayne True Grit. Other. All right, number seven. At this point, I do not believe anyone but Chumpzilla can win. So, Zoot, Thunderous Wizard, you are playing for your own honor, not so much a bag of dark chocolate pretzels that I have definitely not sharded on. Anyway, uh, number seven. We mentioned that Jaws references abound in this film, but one of the characters' last names is actually the name of the shark. Who is it? Is it A, Brody? Is it B, Wilm? Is it C, Gwen? Or is it D, Silent Bob? Snoochie Poochies, Brody. Thunder Wizard, it is Brody. And for the sense. bonus point, what is that name? 
uh, Chief Brody. So Brody's his last name. In not the name of the shark. Oh yeah. Uh, so, chance to steal. Thunderous Wizard has yeah. Snoochie Boochies. Over to the zoo. Bruce. Bruce. It is Bruce. Brody yeah. Bruce. That is the name. It is the name of the shark. Bruce. Chief. So so also. Fun fact: They actually named Ben Affleck Ben Affleck's character Shannon because of Shannon Doherty. I did not know that. Yeah, That's they thought that would be funny. So, like, hey, let's let's call Affleck Shannon. Fun <laughs> fact: They uh, they named the shark in Finding Nemo Bruce after Jaws, and I named my car Bruce after both. So, why is it named the shark Bruce in Jaws? Was there something behind that? Got to name a shark something. Yeah. I know it was a huge pain in the ass during filming. I would have named him Hall of Notes because he's a man eater. <laughs> Count it. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> last last folks, folks, that's poetry right there. Peace out. <laughs> Mic drop. Like every other viewers Universe film, we get a reference to Walt Flanagan's dog. Here, Jay says, he's as fast as Walt Flanagan's dog. Why do Jay and Silent Bob know how fast Walt Flanagan's dog is? Is it A, they took the dog to a racetrack and bet on it? Is it B, it chased them after Silent Bob poked the dog's boner? Is it C, it's a reference to the fact that Walt Flanagan's dog is named Crypto, the super dog? Or is it D, the dog mistakenly was placed in an all-female kennel where it went on to sire puppies with more than 15 other dogs? I'm going to give this to the Zoot because he seems like he knows the answer. B. I'm chiming in for you. Uh, I'll go with uh, B, final answer. That is correct. It is because Jay and Silent Bob smoked out Walt Flanagan's dog. It got a stoner boner, and Silent Bob poked the dog's boner, enraging the dog, causing him to chase him all across Jersey. That certainly sounded like the most Kevin Smith answer. It really did. I tried I mean, there's a dog boner in Jay and Silent Bob, so... Yeah. Uh... Bonus question from Uncle Chumpzilla. Which character do Jay and Silent Bob refer to as being faster than Walt Flanagan's dog? Uh, Isn't that LaFleur's? Yeah, LaFleur's. It is LaFleur's, yeah. I cannot overstate how badly LaFleur's would have broken those two bozos. <laughs> All right, so at the end of the day, the Zoot took home three... Thunderous Wizard only two. The winner of one pound of chocolate pretzels, definitely not stinky palmed, is Chumpzilla. Congratulations, Chumpzilla. Yeah. Son of Jor-El, kneel before Zod. <laughs> uh, now, this next part... That offends the, is... the Thunderous Wizard greatly. <laughs> so this next part in the pod is where we do recommendations, where we talk about stuff you should check out, and that kind of thing. Um, the one thing I, I thought we couldn't go much further uh, into the pod, now that we're basically at the end without at least mentioning, uh, is that as of two days ago of this recording, Chadwick Boseman, the Black Panther, uh, the the main character, or one of the main characters in The Five Bloods, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, uh, yeah. passed away of colon cancer. Uh, he was 43 years old, and that is a gigantic bummer for everybody. We at the pod wanted to send out, you know, positive feelings toward her, his family. Um, really, it's it's a mess of a thing. So, 
we're going to do our regular recommendations, but on top of that, you know, go go check out one of his films. Go watch Black Panther again. Go watch Civil War. He's great in all of those movies. But, you know, Netflix has The Five Bloods, where he does a great job in that. And, you know, I think he was one of those dudes that I wanted to see lead the Avengers, and it sucks that we lost him before that got to happen. Yeah. I, it, I mean, I can't. I can't say any more to that uh, than you've already said there, Captain Cash. It's just, it's a gut punch, man. I mean, I think that character resonated with a lot of people, and it, that was a big deal. It was a big deal to have a Black Panther movie that made a billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, good too. And, and, and there was going to be another one. And there was probably going to be a third one. And he was going to be in the Avengers movies. Um, and he seemed like a stand-up dude. Uh, 42, good movie. Uh-huh. You know, Marshall, good movie. The Five Bloods, good movie. Like, the, the dude had talent. Get on the up. The dude had talent. Where he played that James. Just, oh, yeah. Get on up, yep. You yeah. Get on up, yep. That just hurts, man. It just hurts, and... Uh, hey, and uh, keep on keeping on, and uh, let's remember him and pour one out for good old. Yeah, one more for Chadwick T'Challa, man. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. All right, so let's uh, let's take it around the horn, Chumzilla. What is what is what are you getting into right now that's keeping you around? I got a good one, especially because of this movie. Um, in honor of Stanley's cameo in Mallrats, my recommendation is with great power, the Stanley story. Oh, that's a good. That's on YouTube, isn't it? Uh, I think it's on YouTube, and it's also on Amazon Prime right now. Nice. And it's a 2010 documentary uh, about Stanley's story, and you know it doesn't break any new ground. It's like not earth shattering or anything, but it's always a fun time to hear stanley reminisce and bs about like the creation of some of our favorite characters in comics um plus you get some great archival footage and pics of stan sans mustache which is just absolutely bizarre like when you see stanley without the glasses and the mustache it's just like whoa what the hell like he looks like a totally different person um, and you get quite a bit of that. It goes back into his history and all his time with Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby. It's a little one-sided. I'm not going to lie. So Fair. this is definitely from Stan Lee's side of things, not Jack or Steve's. But it's not completely without like balance because it does refer to like the uh, the finance issues that Marvel had and that Stan Lee Productions had in the '90s. So th- there were some problems, but you know it's it's a pretty good view of like you know what went on there, and plus. You know what? Hey, love him, hate him, Stanley. He's a great orator. It's fun to hear him talk and tell the stories. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's also worth pointing out that you do get a nice send off for Stanley in the Jay and Silent Bob uh, reboot movie. They do a little bit in the end, like in the post credit scenes, because they wanted Stanley to come back to be in that movie, but it didn't work out. Uh, so, so that, but they do have some footage with Kevin Smith and Stanley. They they stick in the credits, and it's pretty nice. That's cool. So, there, there's my recommendation. But yeah, check it out. It's it, it's a lot of fun, and you get to see a little the history of Marvel Comics, the history of Stanley, and his wife seems like a super lovely lady. So, unlike in Mallrats, 
yeah. did not let the love of his life get away. He stuck with her. And uh, they had tough times. They had one daughter. They lost a daughter. Um, and it was rough for them. And they had trouble adopting afterwards. And that was a big part of this documentary. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. It makes them a little more human. So uh-huh. check it out. Sandly, a little more human. All right, over to the Thunderous Wizard. So I'll give you two. I'll give you one Chadwick Boseman uh, reference, and that's 42 because it was Jackie Robinson Day very recently, and uh, mm. that is the movie about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Uh, it's a very important sports story, uh, and the actor who was chosen to play him just seems like an incredible human being who's suffering through cancer all this time while making all this incredible entertainment for us and still going to visit kids who were sick with the same disease. It's just tragic. Uh, my second, so we'll be more uplifting now, is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, Bill and Ted's bogus uh, journey was a 90s movie. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is not a 90s movie, but it's close to 1989-1991. And it was awesome to have Bill and Ted back. It's basically everything I needed right now, like to uplift my spirits in a pretty bizarre and uh, depressing time. So I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very funny. It was everything I could have expected from a, a Bill and Ted sequel or threequel. I bought it, so I'm glad I did. I'll watch it many times over. Man, Keanu Reeves, Alex Winter, they knocked it out of the park. That's my recommendation. All right, fantastic. And Zoot, over to you. I'm going to go with uh, another one that's kind of spawned from uh, nostalgia of my youth. Uh, I'm going to recommend Cobra Kai. It's just came to Netflix season one and two. Oh, nice. Uh, I've heard good things. Yeah, and I believe season three is coming soon to Netflix as well. Um, so uh, definitely... Uh, uh, impressionable movie for me as a kid. So, you know, continuing it on and had now it being more readily available on Netflix. That's always a good thing. All right. Fantastic. That is it for this edition of hops and box office flops. Thank you to founders brewing for making a delicious beer with which we can enjoy this movie. Thank you to the Zoot for joining us on this stroll down memory lane. And thank you for listening. What do you think of the pod? Leave us a review on iTunes, and please remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a comment for what movie you'd like to see us do next. You can find the Thunderous Wizard at WriterTLK, Chumzilla at Chumzilla8, Zoot at JeffZoet Visuals, and you can always find me at CAPTCASH on most of your social media. Stay safe out there, everyone. Wakanda forever. <laughs>